Just a heads up, the episode you're about to listen to, Titan, was ranked by our hosts as terrifying and existentially disconcerting. This show also has descriptions of extreme body horror, graphic violence and nudity, attempted rape, assault, injections, drugs, drinking, sex, murder, and prolific nudity. If you have a trigger, the odds are pretty good it's here. After the music, we'll talk about the movie in full, so expect spoilers. And while you're here, if you can, stop by our Patreon at progressivelyhorrified.patreon.com. You'll get extra episodes, all episodes a week early, and most importantly, you'll get to help us keep the lights on. We'd greatly appreciate it. Now, let's get on to the show. Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified. Tonight we're talking about the 2021 gory and bizarre French body horror standout, Titan. I am your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight I have him of Cinephiles and Cinebites. First, they're here to invade your house and find queer content in all of your favorite movies. My co-host and comic book writer, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? And so we come to the natural end point of the Fast and Furious franchise. <laughs> oh, okay. That's so bothersome. Uh, and we <laughs> picked her up at the spooky crossroads of anime and sex monster media. It's co-host and comic artist, Emily Martin. How are you tonight, Emily? You know, watching this movie reminds me why I signed up for this in the first place. Because I used to watch just fucking bananas ass movies in college and i would have people around some of them were not signed up for it but you know we were sharing space so they would have to look at the film now i know i will have people to talk to that are more or less willing to talk to to me about this so thank you also it's to take no never let jeremy stop trying to pronounce french words it's the greatest <laughs> and our special guest tonight the writer and creator of the comic books Bingo Love and Juke Joint, as well as the writer of Harley Quinn, the Eat Bang Kill Tour series at DC Comics. It's comics and TV writer T. Franklin. So glad you're here. How are you? Well, I was good before watching this movie. <laughs> you know, I need therapy and a lot of weed to deal with what I saw. But other than that, I'm good. Look, all I know is after watching this, somebody needs therapy. All you listeners at home, you might know that this movie is French, and you might think, oh, so it's a French language movie. No, this movie is French. Oh my God. Let's see. What's more French, the washing down pills with wine or the second shirtless fireman dance party? Let me do some basics here. This is written and directed by Julia Ducourneau who her other movie is called raw it is also a horror movie it is also extremely fucked up there is also substantial body horror in that movie as there is in this one it stars agatha rousseau vincent linden and grouse miller and as far as imdb is concerned this movie follows a series of unexpected crimes after a father is reunited with his son who has been missing for 10 years and then defines titanium which the french word for titanium is titan and uh, it, it's a, a metal with high tensile strength alloys which has nothing to do with what this movie is actually Look, about that's a lie that's I, a whole lie i like to bag on imdb's 
frankly terrible movie descriptions. <laughs> I I don't know what I would have put down for that. Yeah, like, down, I, fuck it, I don't know. Like, <laughs> like what what was IMDb supposed to do? Just like an audio file of somebody screaming? I just I would put buckle up. <laughs> yeah, I buckle up, shrug emoji. Yeah, come on, IMDb. To see what this was about because I was confused. And I read that sentence. I was like, but that's not what that uh, we missed like 45, 55, 65 minutes. That's not that. Apparently, that's the only stuff that they had released about the movie prior to it showing at Cannes. That was the only thing they'd said about the movie. And then they showed this at the, the Cannes Film Festival and it won the Palm Door. I enjoy just the low key absurdity of just anyone buying for any second that this main character, Alexia, is this lost child. Like, they do not even share the same skin tone. There is no common features between this person she is impersonating and her. Yeah, she's taking advantage of desperation, certainly, which is something that, like, I was not expecting as like a very strong plot element in this film. And I say strong because it's there a lot. This is what I love about non-American cinema is that they're like, we're going to throw some crazy shit together and we're not going to follow any sort of pacing. This movie is the most French ass shit I've ever seen because like, it's like, yes, a homicidal woman can be a great son to an insane fire chief. They can share a great bond as father and son. And it's what? For the sake of our listeners, there was an exchange between Ben and me on DMs where I was like, I know nothing about this film. And so Ben says, there's less car fucking that I was expecting is a thought that just went through my head is what Ben told me. Just basically the only thing I knew about the movie. And I say fucking in cars people fucking cars or cars fucking each other <laughs> and Ben says yes I then post a screenshot of this to some of my friends in like a private discord we have and I'm like this is all I know about this movie I'm gonna watch this week for the show and then I am like oh no do not watch this once upon a time a girl fucked a car and got car pregnant and then killed everyone she knew and then ran away and became a firefighter yeah that should have been the IMDB description yes nailed it yeah, so that's what I was like. This is what this is about. It is not as fun as it sounds. Mm. No, I thought it was like murder and horny for cars. I'm going to kill whoever I have to get access to sexier and sexier cars. And once again, I was completely fucking wrong. It's a movie about lying and being a firefighter. And a body dysphoria. A lot, a lot of body dysphoria. A lot. From the beginning, I was a little pissed because it was ableist as hell you could tell from what i read while watching the first few minutes i'm like okay so this kid is autistic this kid is humming got this little thing with cars and now the kid is kicking the back of the chair and the kid takes off the seatbelt, and then boom it's an accident so i'm like okay we got a little autism going on all right all right but it just turned into and now we got this titanium metal thing in their head so it's essentially a disabled villain who is going around killing and it's like damn can i watch a movie without disabled people being a bad guy 
Because I don't go around killing people in fucking cars. Like... I was waiting for the point where they connected those two in like a definitive way where they were like, yeah, because of the autism or because of the titanium plate, then blah, blah, blah. But they don't do that. And it left me like wondering, like, is this intentionally ableist or is it just weird as fuck? And they just threw a lot of things into the pot and were like, and then this and also this and then this. Yeah, the the car sex connects to the pregnancy and that's about where things connecting to other things ends so we mentioned the first scene is she's a kid she's in a car she's humming along with the like car sounds rather than the radio and it's irritating her dad and her dad rather than saying anything about it or talking to her like a human being just keeps turning up the radio and then she starts kicking his seat and then takes off her seatbelt and the dad in a real fucked up move is like you got to put your seatbelt back on and just turns his ass all the way around in the seat to reach for her and it's like how is crashing the car gonna make this better Uh, and of course they do crash the car she gets an intense head injury and has to have a titanium plate put into her head she has a permanent like snail shaped scar on the side of her head as soon as she gets out she skips to the parking lot and starts tenderly kissing the car in the the parking lot as a small child oh weird to begin with but it's, almost killed her yeah yeah it's just gonna get weirder because we jump forward several years and alexia is working a car show as a model dancer she's signing autographs and i put in the notes that she was fucking this car, not realizing that five minutes later, that was going to take a whole different meeting. She is like hardcore grinding the front of this car, like really working it at this show. It's Guy Fieri's convertible, or not convertible. It's Guy Fieri's, it's not actually Guy, Guy Fieri's, Fieri's lowrider. Yeah, but it, uh, that, it's covered in flame decals. That's Land Force One of Flavortown. <laughs> uh, I feel like I should have, because I know car shows are things and like, Boof babes are people and an occupation that exists. And I feel like I theoretically should have mentally put together like, yes, there would that would be an occupation to model at car shows. But my only first thought was, wait, is Party Girl in Fast and Furious a full time job? Do they have a Fast and Furious Party Girl union? In Europe, they probably do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they have government support for sex workers. That would explain how John Cena is able to put that party on so fast. They got the whole union together. Okay. Um, so in what we'll turn out to that's be, gonna be my last one of a, one of a long series of weird left turns, she, she finishes the car show and goes to go wash up in their, I guess, public shower that the models use at this car show next to an overly friendly girl named Justine, who de- seems determined to become her friend and more. But instead, Alexi just ends up getting her hair cut and Justine's nipple piercing. Um, I hate that when that happens. I do feel like in a different movie, that's a very adorable and super queer meat cute. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Just steal it. It's the wildest meat cute. And I was like, well, is this where we're going with this? It is not where we're going with this. It, it definitely will. Nope. Yeah. This is a surprisingly long scene of her trying to get her hair untangled from this other girl's nipple uh, piercing. Prepare for the word surprisingly long scene a lot. <laughs> and then we move to a man following her out of the place, back to her car, in what seems like it's going to be an inciting incident for a suspense horror thing. This man is, like, trying to get to her. He, she gets in her car and does open up the window to talk to him. He wants. He says he wants a signature, but then he wants to 
kiss her and wants her to marry him and uh is forcing her to kiss him when she grabs his car and grabs his head and pulls it in to kiss him further and then jams her hairpin through his ear and into his brain where he proceeds to die right there and i was like oh that's the kind of movie this is it's maybe also not the kind of movie this is she blows blows his body into the car maybe disposes of it i'm not sure because we don't get to see that part and she killed so easily so was it like is this her first her 50th like like, apparently she's i don't think she's really disposing the bodies because they find it the next morning i think she's just like going to apparently the south part of whatever they're talking about and just dumping a body like fucking in a parking lot or whatever in the, that like, shit in the same just, yeah know. she's she's putting a few of the bodies in the river i'm pretty sure yeah, but again like not weighing, her car god not weighing them down they're just floating <laughs> on behind yeah i think sacrificing them to the car god that's that actually makes a lot yeah. more sense now with what happens next yeah yeah she now has uh brain juice and vomit on her from this man she has killed so she goes back in don't you just hate when you get brain juice on your favorite tank top she goes back in the shower again and there is a loud knock at the door to the showers and she goes out to go check it out there's nobody there but as she opens the door there is a car and the car has been knocking at the door and shines its headlights at her this is the same fire emblazoned low rider that she was uh fucking hood of earlier Mm-hmm. Um, you know this isn't an American movie because if it was, Day Bao Bao would be playing during this scene. <laughs> so the car has come to seduce her, apparently. It is uh, shining lights at her and then working its hydraulics a little bit. She climbs in naked, ties her arms <laughs> up in the seat belts, <laughs> and okay. proceeds to let the lowrider just go to work on her. As far as I can tell, this is just working off the like impact of the hydraulics. Like, I guess she's just. I wasn't sure if it was her effort or if it was the hydraulics. Those are some fucking Kegels if it's her. I mean, what is she on? The gear shaft? Like, yep. what, like she's in the back seat. No, she's in the front seat. I saw the wheel. Yeah, I thought it was the back seat too. No, it's the front I, well, seat. It took me a while to realize those were seatbelt straps. And my first thought was like, Oh, a special SM car. I don't remember that episode of Pimp My Ride, but good for you, exhibit. Mm-hmm. Like, I was thinking, okay, are we going the Christine, like the little car, the little demon possessed car? But no, it was not. This, was this car is possessed by a sex demon, apparently. But where did he lead? Like, he just left, like, so- why didn't the car follow her? But like, bring that, bring that booty back. <laughs> so. <laughs> That car, who's a fucking deadbeat car dad, there's nothing to help raise this car, kid. So I was reading an interview with this director about this movie, and she was very adamant that this car is a she. Because cars are feminine in French, but specifically, this car is feminine, and it is a it is consistent with the logic of the movie, she says. As in there's none? <laughs> The eternal logic of the film, which is, it's wild. But, like, she was talking about how she took pains to portray this as a consenting sexual act between two entities, which, I guess, like, the car is clearly into it. The car invites her in, but, like... What made the car come the fuck alive? And Her it, mind. The same it's thing so much com- weirder that it's the only 
that it only happens the one time and only this car. Like yeah. it's not a recurring feature of the world or her mind. It is a, as far as we know, a completely one-off occurrence. Right. Because her she did it in a fire truck. That didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her, yeah. Her dance on the hood, I guess, is just so hot that it brings the car to life. <laughs> so it's how do you know when the car climaxes too? Well, they take grave pains in the next the next shot as she is lying in bed to pan across her body and you can see that her panties are oil stained <laughs> just like i mean <laughs> you don't want that pH balance is all the way the fuck off okay yeah that's a very good point damn optimus prime doesn't wear condoms that's what i learned from this movie oh that was just <laughs> imagine having black coming out to snatch what i would be like doctor 911 help me please when we were talking to morgan about Candyman the the other day and morgan was talking about like as a nurse people don't come in when things are wrong they come in way after they should have come in that's a good point Look, but I mean, i'll give it to Candyman. like in Candyman, that is a self-employed artist yeah, in America, who knows what his fucking health insurance situation is? Mm-hmm. She's in France. What's her excuse? And her dad's a doctor. Like, I certainly would not want my dad to be like a gynecologist on me. Absolutely not. Never Which in a million years. Weirdly, what her mom recommends. The next day, she's like, "My stomach hurts. I feel weird." And her mom is like, "Have your dad check you out." And then she lays down on what seems to be the dinner table, and uh, her dad like presses down on some things on her stomach and is like, yeah, you're fine. Her dad clearly hates it as much as she does. Yeah, as much as we all do. It's like she got pregnant in 10 hours. Yeah, that's another thing about this movie is that apparently when you get car pregnant, it goes real fast. Real fast. Yeah. Yeah. And how does it... Stomach gurgling. I've been pregnant a bunch of times. What's stomach getting gurgling? It gurgles when it's hungry. But why was the stomach... Uh, maybe that was the motor. <laughs> <laughs> those, those are baby needed oil change before it's born. Is just was no, kidding. but you do need to change the wiper fluid. Whew. Okay, so this is also the first time on the TV here that we hear about Adrian, the boy who disappeared ten years ago, and his parents are still looking for him. So that will come back later. Currently, she is uh, now going out on a date with Justine who I guess they did have a meet cute when she got her hair cut and her nipple piercing because now they're hooking up. And uh, she objects rightfully to Alexia trying to rip her nipple off by like biting her nipple piercing and just repeatedly pulling. It confused me because it's, I thought your thing was like cars. Is it now just all metal? She started biting and pulling and she like, yo, chill, but she wasn't paying attention. She had to like get aggressive with it. And she runs away, has her first bout of morning sickness, which we didn't know. But then she goes back to her and I'd have been like, bitch, yeah, I like what? my nipples. Yeah. Justine, what are you doing, girl? Why are you giving her a second date? She then takes her back to her house. If she didn't like the nipple biting, she's sure not going to like what comes next. Yeah. So Alexia decides to uh, take a pregnancy test. Guess what? She's pregnant. Her stomach has also gotten weirdly hard. She notices. So she takes this pregnancy test. And when it comes back positive, her reaction to this is to take this 
this like foot long hairpin that she already stabbed the dude to death with. It didn't and fucking Kim- clean. Didn't fucking clean it. Dirty bitch. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Uh, the attempted abortion scene. One of all most of the scenes that are very uncomfortable to watch. I was like, I'm out. Because <laughs> look, there are easier ways. Bitch, throw yourself down the steps. I'm not damaging my body. The point where right? Opal starts leaking out of her when she does it too. And she does not seem to acknowledge this at all. How no. does nobody smell it? Like motor oil smells. Oh, that would be a... It's fresh. That's a mix. Yes, but like it's going to smell no matter what. This whole scene, I was focusing more on the fact that she used TP to gag her mouth while she was like experiencing pain, which I'm like, use a f- use cloth, you dumbass. And it was only like three squares. So what is it fucking holding in? I know, like it's just going to disintegrate in her mouth. Anyway, this is what I had to focus on in order to not completely absorb the horrible shit she was doing to herself. So I was having terrible thoughts like, you have too much motor oil. And also I'm worried you're losing too much motor oil. And this, the, the follow-up to this is she goes back outside and Justine's like, oh yeah, we're pregnant. And then they start making out, making out aggressively long enough for her to set Justine up for an ear stabbing, but Justine doesn't sit still enough. So she ends up jabbing this thing through her cheek instead. And oh. Justine's reaction is basically to just be like, what just happened? What? There is no discretion shot. You just see this thing going through one side of her, one part of her face, and then coming out the other. She repeatedly stabs and beats this girl to death because she can't manage to kill her effectively. At which point, Justine's two flatmates just walk in naked and uh, see that now she has killed Justine. And Alexia decides that she has to go ahead and kill both of them as well. And she kills the male flatmate by knocking him down and then shoving a stool through his mouth and out the back of his head and then sitting on it for a moment so she can can just gather herself. They do have a discretion shot there. You don't see her do that. They do not stop it from making horrible noises, though. Oh, God. Also, again, at this point in the movie, yeah, we've seen her kill one person. But for us as viewers, that was a completely justified kill that is cathartic for us to see. Yeah, It's been impl- heavily implied that she has killed other people. But once again, we don't know the circumstances and if they were justified. This is really the moment where the movie goes, oh, no, she's just straight up an unrepentant serial killer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Usually, right, when you watch Criminal Minds, CSI, it's a mommy issue, it's a daddy issue. Somebody abused up. We don't have no, it's like the bitch just felt like waking up and start killing people. Like if it was told truck, okay, you taking my man. I'ma kill you. I can get that. But what I don't, I don't I think you really hit the nail on the head, T, when we were talking earlier about the ableism in this movie, because without any of that, all we're left with is, oh, she's was autistic coded and then she was in a bad accident and physical trauma made her an evil killer and that's the only message the movie leaves us with without any of that other context and that's a bad message that's bad oddly though at no point is she not the protagonist of this movie like Mm. she she is straight up evil she is serial killing people left and right that we have no evidence deserve it but 
this movie really sticks with her and and follows her throughout all of this as if like we're definitely going to be on her side or with her through it just a very strange and i guess very french choice but she okay so after she stools this man and then sits on his face that's a bad turn of phrase sits on his face in the least sexual way possible stools him and then sits on his face (laughs) That's that's what happens. That is what happens through his face, through the back of his head. She chases the female flatmate upstairs and proceeds to knock aggressively on the door, at which point somebody else comes up behind her and is like, can I help you? This is the fourth naked flatmate who yes. genuinely, like, he is he's much larger than her. But seems like a nice guy. Are they is are they all flatmates? Because at this point, I assumed it was a sex party. No, they well, live together, but they're all like banging because it's France. What else you do? Her reaction in this scene, though, which is when she sees this guy, she's like, she "How strange. many of you are there?" He's like, "Oh, there is that- the four of us," and she's like, "Oh, okay," and then hugs him. And she's, and he's like, are you okay? And she's like, I'm just so tired. And then kills him. <laughs> that yeah, she's, was she's a good care- move on the hug. Not because it made the kill easier, but because that dude looked like a real good hugger. I know. Like great hugs. I know. I had such high hopes for him, even though it was not, not in the cards. I knew it was like intellectually I knew, but I was like, please, maybe he like gets away. Cause he's just, the movie shows him as so sweet. And the way that he like stands there, like every other dude in this movie looks like a douchebag, except for this guy. Okay. And um, genuinely concerned. And you know, she's going through her pregnancy, tiring syndrome when we do when we pregnant we are very tired and this you baby know, has so. tires as far as we know mm-hmm. i don't think we have tires gonna get birth to a car the tire like it doesn't grow its tires until around seven or eight yeah i was just i was a bit disappointed that the baby was not like a volkswagen beetle <laughs> but yes because it looked like something i was honestly expecting again like a um, um, tiny Mercedes with human arms and legs. After this weird, like, slice of life fucking... Honestly, you think a Cadillac the- Lowrider would give birth to a Mercedes? Come on. I mean... She cheated. Duh, Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> when see all the cars in there, she probably fucked them up. I just was... I was expecting her to drop just, like, a six-cylinder engine and have it be that. Like, I would... I was... But all that motor oil? Like, why the motor oil if it's not gonna be a car? I feel like I've been bamboozled. Well, for a while, I thought maybe there's the possibility that this is just an infection that she got from banging the stick shifts. And maybe she maybe there was more to it. Spoilers, there isn't. On hearing her attack the other guy, this girl decided this is my opportunity to run. Gets halfway down the stairs before Alexia tackles her and beats her and chokes her to death. And then she takes... Some of the evidence, clearly not nearly enough evidence to cover up this crime, and drags it back home with her, throws it in a barrel in her garage, pours a bunch of gasoline or kerosene on top of it, and lights it up. I am unclear what happens here, and I want to know if you guys have the same take on this. This fire is very big, and seems like there's a very good chance it's going to burn down this house. But we don't see that. What we do see is her go upstairs to her parents' room, where her dad sees her open the door, she then like takes the key out of the their side of the door and then locks it from the outside and takes off. Did she burn her parents alive? Oh, yes. 100%. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. 100%. Because okay. yes, no, that was bothered absolutely... to follow up on that. No. no, she set her house on fire on purpose and then locked her parents inside. Yes. But the girl who got down the steps, did she really die? Because later on they said that. A, no, she a gets away. In yeah, no, she totally got away. Okay. We, know, we never see Alexia get her. As far as we know, that's what makes it impossible for her to cover her tracks or even get away right. with it. Yeah, who gets the composite now sketch. there's like, yep. yeah, now there's like a witness and someone be like, yeah, my roommate Justine, who like said she was bringing over this girl she danced with, fucking just killed everyone. Oh my God, oh my God. As a sex worker, there's so many movies, TV shows, books, whatever, that sex workers are killed by a serial killer. And that just like really pissed me off because I'm like, yes, it does happen, but it don't always happen. That was like a real lazy ass trope for me. If you want to kill, I don't know. That just, that just, that part really didn't sit well with me. I'm like, damn. Yeah. At no point is Justine not just like sweet, flirty, nice, mm-hmm. and she gets a fucking hairpin in the face for it. She's very understanding too. Like she's super understanding. Like, girl almost tries to rip her tit off twice Justine, twice Three. two understanding two yeah. clearly a fatal flaw yeah r.a.p justine but yeah that whole massacre of them felt like it was one of those tropes of punishing debauchery we now have what is maybe the worst oh fuck she goes fuck, to the train yeah. station yeah. And sees the composite sketch of her there and is like oh shit i gotta get away from this place where there's a whole bunch of cops Hold on. Here's this picture of this uh, Adrian kid and what he probably looks like, you know, the 10 years later. Now, I bet I could kind of look like him. So she proceeds to go to the bathroom, cut off all of her hair. So she's going to pull a switcheroo here. So she finds her breasts and her growing stomach and cuts off her French lady mullet and aggressively breaks her nose. She tries to punch it a few times and eventually she just fucking headbutts the toilet which is the worst thing i've ever seen in a movie oh that was the point where i had to go oh and walk away from it like black widow had black widow break her own nose in a way where i almost like i didn't feel it it didn't like you feel alexia breaking her own nose here you feel every attempt at punching herself in the face perpendicularly this is like a seven minute scene where she's trying to break her nose and figure out how to do it and then doesn't she breaks her nose on the sink i just wanted to make that clear because toilet dirty Uh, i thought she was just trying to not look like her composite sketch because again she looks nothing like yeah the person she's impersonating which again is really just every character is aware of it except for the person she's tricking and even he is like yeah i'm probably pretty fucking delusional yeah okay so she gets this ace bandage we see a green cross in the background i assume that she got the ace bandage from the green cross you can get makeup from the green cross. you don't have to fucking break your own nose you can just do some contouring and then you're fine come on maybe she didn't learn it because she was busy fucking cars and that was her hobby she and knew her about makeup because she's a sex worker she like was looking really good when she was humping the car at the show maybe she I had because she, was... she was out on a date with the car yeah i guess i want to say one thing though real quick 
the dad seemed to know what was going on. Her real dad. There was some telegraphing there. Really? Yeah. We're talking about people like dead bodies on the TV. There was some like exchanging of looks between the two of them that like they don't really go into anything, which this movie is is a recurring thing that like maybe it means something. I don't know. On to the next thing. So maybe he knows that she's a serial killer. Uh, He does seem to be aware of the fact that they're about to die. Yeah, definitely. She grabs that key and he's like, oh shit. And it's too late. Yeah. The movie he's in is this movie about this dad who knows his daughter is bad vibes, but blames himself for it and doesn't have any way to connect with her, but also doesn't know how to stop her. Yeah, there's that scene where she's coming back from the her massacre in that never give up shirt. <laughs> and yeah, that is the brightest. Like this magenta, the tone, the magenta tone in this film is used artistically and it's very lovely. Good job. But um the dad, there's this like long, I don't know if I should use the term pregnant pause, but but I did. And he's like looking at her smoking, and he's and there's this like communication between them that is like this sort of mutual understanding but then it goes nowhere and then he dies he dies in a fiery death but does he did he like break out the bag did he hop out the window because they never mentioned that i believe that once she runs away if he survived he is putting zero effort into ever looking for her look good she's gone thank (laughs) god no i don't have to deal with that anymore so, uh, okay, so this is where we meet Vincent Legrand. It is a difficult scene to follow because suddenly we're following a different person. He is charging into the police station here. He is uh, being told that his missing son, Adrian, is shown back up. And he immediately accepts that this is Adrian before ever even seeing Alexia in her Adrian costume and broken nose. They say, of course, we'll need a DNA test. And he's like, you don't think I'd recognize my own son after 10 years? And he no, gets, sure. like, hasn't even seen him. Yeah. hasn't seen her or them again i'm a little unsure about what pronouns to use this movie when it's always uses she her for the character but is also like this movie is trans mask as fuck oh um, yeah there is no indication yeah. that she identifies at all as adrian at any point but she does continue to Find her stomach and breasts throughout and two bothering results. She is, it is really painful and bad. The character of Vincent that I find really interesting uh, because as we learn, you know, he's in this very physical environment. He's captain at a fire station and he is abusing steroids to try to be to try to regain like his like physical strength as he ages and i found it really interesting because we so associate themes of body dysphoria with uh trans themes and narratives and i thought that was a really interesting look at how even cisgendered people can still experience body dysphoria yeah i mean i wish it was better at at showing that but i mean it was like in terms of visual like in terms of i wish it was better set up socially for this movie but it it, visually it really did evoke the body dysphoria experience because this is yeah this is a man who feels like he should be one way and this way all his work can't get there and 
unfortunately, the thing he's fighting in this particular instance is time, which can't be beat. Yeah. Yeah. The closest they get to actually discussing this is at one point, she does walk in on him injecting himself. And she says, are you sick? And he says, no, I'm, I'm just old. And I thought this was one thing that the movie actually did a really good job of communicating non-verbally. Because we have that scene early on when we first meet him where he injects the steroids and then we see him attempting to do uh, a pull-up and do exercises and just how intensely frustrated he is at not being able to do it. So I thought that was one aspect of his character or theme that the movie did a good job depicting. Yeah. The firefighter, the fire brigade that is depicted in this film is the, let me look at my notes here, the sapeurs-pompiers, which are the, it's the Paris fire brigade, which is kind of like a national guard. It's very militarized. Now, usually you have a lot more criteria for joining rather than just being the commandants, they call him commandant, um, the captain's son. So there's obviously some some going wrong, but this is a very like masculine, I, I don't know how really homoerotic it is because in this film it is quite homoerotic, but it is a very masculine brotherhood culture. Their whole reaction at the second shirtless dance party is, Ew, there's no femininity at boys' time dance party. There was no women firefighters. There was just a sausage fest happening. Yeah. It, and they were like, they were, may have, I may have seen a couple of them making out. I'm not sure. I thought so too. Yeah. They had mm-hmm. some big Steel Factory and Simpsons work hard, play hard energy. <laughs> Listen, they were definitely entranced by adrian's uh dan yeah they were entranced and confused like some of them were like what's going on and some of them were like okay i can't, I like all right all right take it so, all like i'm really ready for them to do the whole take it off like throwing money I, I, that's what i figured but again no i guess <laughs> thankfully they didn't because the that yeah. point that she starts taking things off it would have been a real a real problem when Alexi is first put in that room, she's bringing to the fire station and she's put in this child's bedroom. There's this really cool dinosaur robot like on the side table. And I don't have a point to make. It's just really cool. And I want it. It's a really great uh, like visual anchor for that space. Yeah. Vincent loads Adrian up into the car and starts taking him home. And she seems to have second thoughts about this, tries to bail out of the car multiple times while they're driving back to the house. And he's like, no, I'm not going to let anybody hurt you, including me. Nobody's ever going to hurt you, which leads to a lot of questions about what his relationship was with Adrian before Adrian ran away, which will never be answered. Nope. They show up. I'm sorry. Show up at the house. Oh, no. And Rayan is there, who is, I guess, Vincent's most trusted firefighter. Seems to be like a second in command. I think he introduces himself as being like the conscience of the... That's just his nickname. Or, yeah, yeah, I I don't know how you get that nickname. But he has brought Vincent dinner because Vincent was going to have a long drive home after picking up his son and whatever other part of France they were in to go pick him up. So... (laughs) <laughs> then there's immediately like friction between 
uh, him and Alexia as Adrian. Although Alexia as Adrian is not talking to anybody and not touching anybody at this point. And I, it's hard to read whether it's her freaking out or whether it's her attempting to play PTSD as Adrian. Um, it That's is what I thought. very unclear. We're getting no, she's not saying anything. We get no like insight into her point of view on this. And Vincent is not interested in doing any sort of therapy. He did some research, but that's, it's no therapy. He's just like, you're mine now, the end. Yeah. It was very, I get why she would, if I get why they would do the whole, I'm not going to speak because I've got this high ass voice and it might give me away. So I'm just not going to say a thing. I'm going to act traumatized. I'm going to pull away. The way that the father was acting, it just really, it was giving off abusive father vibes. Mm -hmm. Like it really was. I'm like, no wonder why your son ran away. Like it just, he had, it seemed like he had a lot of guilt. And of course, when a mom comes in, it was really like, okay, something just isn't, of course, course, we're not going to know, but something just didn't sit well with me in regards to the dad. He was real aggressive with Alexia. That whole scene starts there, like dancing to She's Not There by the Zombies. And he starts dancing really aggressively and then he starts hitting her. And yeah. it's so like this movie does, if there's a direction you think things are going to go, it's not going to go that direction. I'm, I'm entirely unclear on whether he is supposed to be abusive and has been abusive or he's on steroids. And so he's a little bit like roided out and. Oh, I didn't put that. Antagonizing, getting aggressive. Or he's just as fucked up as everybody else in this movie. And and this is just... Because it's clear that he has... He lost his son 10 years ago and has been guilt-ridden about this. We don't have any details on how and why this happened. And he is willing to accept at her word that Alexia is his son just because he wants to have his son back. It mm-hmm. seems like his his life has been just fucked since since he disappeared and he has just decided that like, all right, he's back. That's all I need to know is that, you know, I have my son back and, and we can continue to have uh, a great life because he is, he is constantly sort of on edge and aggressive when the firefighters start joking with Adrian and making fun of him at one point call him gay uh vincent shows up and is yeah <laughs> i just need you to know that in this fucking troop i am god and this is my son so that makes him jesus so don't fuck with my son or i'm gonna end you <laughs> and yeah. i'm like all right i'm kind of with that although <laughs> everything else around this is very bothersome there's a mosh pit scene later and again at first i was like oh okay are they associating like this roughhousing with masculinity that Alexia is like finding comfort in solace in. And then the movie just veers into like fire truck strip tease dance and everyone gets confused. I'm like, I don't know where you're going with this anymore movie. I never knew where you were going with this. You're doing your own thing. I really thought they were going to expose her. I really thought like when they was carrying her up, I was like, oh no, it's over now. But again, like Ben said, it's not. That would have been a perfect opportunity to be like, boom, expose the lie. As somebody who's been pregnant like a trillion billion times, everybody was giving Adrian hugs. And can't nobody tell that was a hard-ass belly? 
Which right? it's made of steel. It's made of metal. She is not just pregnant with car baby. Her torso is metal. Like at one point, the dad is like, what's wrong with you? And pulls back the hoodie that she's constantly wearing. And her shirt is wet as if she's been lactating through these bandages. We will find out shortly that she lactates oil. And we hey, see her for the fucking chance. For, for the first time in a while, we see her unbind her breasts and stomach. And you can see that she is doing permanent damage to herself. She is, she's got cuts from these bindings digging in there. Her stomach is still growing. And she has this like horrible itch. And she starts scratching her stomach. Oh, oh. put her finger through her skin and expose the like metal underneath it, which like, oh God. This is where she scratches through her stomach. She then punches her own pregnant belly a whole bunch of times. And then we get the lactating motor oil reveal. This is all one scene. Yeah, this is this is all happening in a three minute time span. Yeah, I think her her snatch is just leaking oil too. Like an hour, and it's just okay. So is that blood? She did she did her motor oil break? Someone could check under the hood. (laughs) Ayo, ayo. Imagine being a teenager who has not been through the proper amount of sex ed and watching this movie. Just, poor baby. just not knowing what the fuck is real and what isn't and if you show a teenager this movie without context you're you should go to jail have you not heard the stories of the bees and the bee cars <laughs> the, 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 the bumblebees <laughs> thank you yes so we have also there's a, this weird ass scene just randomly here where vincent has doing like a training exercise and sees a burnt child in a cabinet and it's obviously a hallucination because uh, conscience doesn't see it see it and then yeah because it's in like a simulation they're in like a simulation room doing a awesome yeah i cannot emphasize enough with conscience everything about his character is i do not trust alexia i do not like alexia this movie is building up towards them having some kind of confrontation for most of its last hour, and then it just doesn't happen. No, fucking conscience gets I mean, exploded. Vincent is like, yeah, he gets super exploded. Conscience is like, Vincent's my dad. I don't know who this, uh, yeah, this bitch is, <laughs> but this is my dad now. There's a jealousy going on. It was, there was some major jealousy from that first act when he brought Nate. What? How can you, like you said, how can you bring some random ass motherfucker who ain't got no training and like, oh, hey, you a firefighter. But I'm going to make you a firefighter. Alexia decides that she's going to run away and gets all the way to the bus station is then like, ah, maybe I won't. Comes back, seems to decide to kill Vincent, but finds Vincent passed out in the bathroom because Vincent has decided to double dose on the steroids. I thought Vincent was dead at this point. Mm-hmm. But he's apparently just uh, in a in a, a tiny coma, uh, and she yeah. just kind of yeah. holds him for a while on the floor in the bathroom. Look, and I then don't know we much. Jump forward an indiscriminate amount of time. I don't know. Yeah, I don't far. know much about steroid overdoses, but apparently it's just something you can sleep off without any medical intervention. You can sleep off with your oh. eyes open without any kind of medical intervention. Okay, but can we back up to that scene in the bus? Yes. 
please. Mm-hmm. Because that was just too much. Like, it was, oh, yeah. oh girl, the black girl is like, thinking, I'm pretty sure, she was thinking that the person sitting across from her is a dude and is going to say something. She just, yeah. I kept waiting. Bitch, what? <laughs> like, yeah, he's like, like, I don't want no parts. What, three or four broke-ass dudes the in the back of the bus are, like, harassing the one black girl sitting by herself on the bus. She's sitting across from Alexia, who, as far as anybody can tell, is a dude. And they just exchanged several meaningful looks over this over the black girl being harassed. And then Alexia just gets the fuck off the bus. Knowing that so mad. the first time we really meet her as an adult, she killed somebody who was harassing her. I know, so I was hoping. I was waiting for her to... But what I found the movie depicted well was the way that kind of, like, the street harassment we've seen and the way mm-hmm. how you can't ignore it without it, like, how quickly and it, it escalates. It always starts with something small and then it always escalates. Right. Like, we saw that with the guy that, like, followed her to the car. I give me an autograph and I'll go. And then he's forcing himself on her. And it's, I hated seeing that escalation, knowing it was coming, but it was very realistically depicted. Yeah. But that's the weird thing about these movies. And I say these movies, because there's a lot of these non-American films that have these like very serious moments in them. I thought you were talking about the widespread uh, car pregnancy subgenre. I just don't understand why that scene made her get off the bus like i would have just ignored it and kept it moving like Perfect. what am i supposed to get like i didn't know what i'm supposed to get like mm-hmm. we've already seen her kill so many innocent people am i supposed to take away that she killed those people and then got off the bus or that she yeah. just abandoned that woman to her fate like she definitely a man that it's just a yeah. good luck yeah so then she goes home and uh holds uh her unconscious father figure after he has overdosed from steroids. And then we jump forward some amount of time, which is unclear. And Alexia is going through this old wardrobe of Adrian's mom, who's left, is gone, and puts on this like yellow dress and is like dancing around with it. And Vincent walks in and she seems to think he's going to be pissed off. But instead, he's let me pull out my old picture book. There's you wearing this dress when you were 10. Nobody can tell me you're not my son. You just, you love this dress just like you did when you were 10, which is kind of adorable. I mean, yes, but like there's now, I have so many questions. It's also very much highlighting the absurdity, showing these photos, how much Alexia looks nothing. (laughs) Vincent's child. Nothing. That, that whole scene. Like, why does she even want to go wear a dress anyway? There's so much of this movie that is trans mask in vibes and theme. Mm-hmm. And then there's scenes like this where she puts on a dress in this kind of forbidden way, like it be a trans femme narrative. Mm-hmm. And it's once again, I'm like, I, I don't know what the what the fuck the movie's going or what it's trying to say. Yeah, because I'm like, OK, so was their kid was Adrian queer, right? Yeah, was he queer? You know, did that have something to do with the loss or with the with him going missing? Like, was the dad, like, super toxically masculine and then drove him away? Yeah, from what I saw, we saw the, the mom wearing that dress while pregnant. 
And so that's why I thought that she was like, oh, this is a pregnancy dress. So maybe I'll try on a pregnancy dress since I am pregnant with a Volkswagen Beetle. Why is, why the dad keep the mom's clothes if she like, it's just been sitting in the closet for 10 years and you ain't think to chuck that shit? Well, if he, mom didn't think to take her shit? She was doing a Marie Kondo, neither the dress, the home, or the husband sparked joy. The next scene that we get is this call that Adrian goes on with with their dad. This woman calls the fire department to come help with a medical situation because her son is not opening the door to the room, the part of the house he lives in, but she doesn't want to go bother him because he likes his privacy, but thinks maybe he is uh, seriously injured or dead. They bust in and find him uh, overdosed and having vomited on the bed. Vincent starts working on him and sends conscience out to the car to call for backup. And the old lady starts having a heart attack right there. And he has Adrian work on this old lady. And she just starts like randomly beating on the chest at a weird interval. And he's like, no, do it to the Macarena. I mean, and then on the hay macarena, just... we'll breathe into her. Yeah. Um, I mean, you are what I to with the beat. love the yeah. most about this scene is that he doesn't just like hum to the macarena. He knows the words of the macarena. It did sweep the nation. It sweeped all different the nations. nations. It was a gl- it was a global sensation. Yeah. <laughs> that was just. I don't know. That whole scene just seems so out of place. Like, it, that's how he wanted to have conscious confront Adrian. I don't know. I felt like you could have did it a better way than just with the Macarena. I think it was weird because, like, now Alexia, as Adrian, has saved a life as opposed to taken one. And maybe this is a pivotal moment. We don't know because there's so much shit going on in this movie. She's smiling in the back of the van, which is the first time we've seen her smile, period. And she she seems somewhat excited about this. And this is where uh, Grayanne Conscience uh, takes his opportunity to be like, hey, what's your deal? Because what happened with that for him to just... That whole scene just has this undercurrent of dark comedy. Just like, oh, we're trying to save this woman's son. Oh, no, she's dying, too. And for one scene, we have the heartwarming, like, character-driven dark comedy. Yeah. I don't know. The father's response was like, now this bitch dying, too. Like, that shit, we didn't say that. But it was, that was hilarious. He might as well have said it. It was basically that. He's like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, straight up, he basically said that. He was like, time to make some lemons, uh, lemonade out of lemons. Let's uh, let's make this a uh, father-son bonding. Moment. Oh, no, this could be a learning experience. We're going to save a life together. Can we go fishing, Dad? Please? Now suck on that old lady's face. Oh, my God. It was so gross. It was just, just like. Uh, yeah, and then, so, Ram tries to tell Vincent about his son and Vincent's like, we're not going to fucking talk about my son. You're never going to talk about him again or I'm going to kill you, which he means. And this is followed by Adrian's mom showing up to re-meet Adrian. She is wise to the fact that this is not Adrian from <laughs> the jump. The first time she, before the, before she even sees him, she's just like, uh, okay. And the, <laughs> dad's like, aren't you going to kiss him? And she's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't think so. 
Um, kiss on the first date. He's not doing that. <laughs> I'm not kissing him. I've never met him before. Yeah, uh, she's like, I know you're crazy, old husband. Ex, very ex-husband. <laughs> you need somebody in your life? Okay. Which is why she definitely was like, I don't know who you are, but just take care of this motherfucker, please. Yes. Yeah. Like, I want you some shit, so just be there. And then, of course, she couldn't even follow the mom's direction. Bitch, you want to die and shit. But it, it was just... That was a nice little scene, but except for the fact she punched her in the stomach, she was just like, ah, like, yeah, yes. that was just, ooh. yeah, like, yeah, because she she walks in on Alexia shirtless, poking holes in her stomach and like dying, like she's in serious pain in this scene. She was having some Brexit contractions. She also is like, hey, it looks like you're lactating motor oil. And also her fucking titanium, like, baby bump is showing through the holes. So mom is probably like, think, 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 think. I don't even know what the fuck, but just take care of my crazy ex-husband. But he needs somebody and it's not going to be me. So just just take care of him. Alexia is incapable of locking doors unless it's to lock her parents into. Because if I'm hiding a whole bunch of titties in a belly that's like ripping apart and metals are showing and I'm leaking motor oil out of every crevice, I will be locking the door and pushing something in front of the door until that shower seat. Like, what is you doing? You know what this movie really is? Is it's an advertisement for uh, Professor Xavier's Home for Gifted Children because this is what happens when Colossus can't figure his shit out. <laughs> and oh my god, this is why it, Kitty Pride had to leave him at the altar. I well, I mean, Colossus at that point. This is the bad narrative, Colossus, where like this is Age of French Apocalypse, Colossus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But this is the, this is the the video that Professor Xavier's people show parents of like mutants. This is what could happen to your kid if it don't they don't come to my school because otherwise they're gonna be a crazy serial killer that's gonna fuck cars oh and then God. have car babies. I gotta say though that'd be a shitty fucking orientation. Hi, I'm Cyclops. I can shoot beams out of my eyes. Hey, I'm Nightcrawler. I can teleport everywhere. What can you do, Alexia? I lactate motor oil. And there's some titanium in there. Yeah. To X-Force you go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I think it's more of an ecstatic situation. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay, so we're about to learn that they're a better match than we think. Because Alexia decides that she's going to try start bonding with Vincent. They're going to be like father and son. And Vincent and Ryan get called in to uh, fight a forest fire. Uh, and they are out there making sure that there's no other stuff, no other people there that they can save and that nothing's going to blow up. And uh, they, uh, <coughs> Vincent gets knocked down and Ryan picks him up and he's like, do you know where you are? Do you know who you are? Do you know who that bitch is who's pretending to be your son? And Vincent's like, it's like <laughs> weird timing, dude. Um, Excuse you. They walk in, they find a, a uh, RV and it's got a like propane tank in it. What? And they're like, oh, we got to get this out of here because this is going to cause a big explosion. 
And uh, Rayanne's like, shouldn't we make sure it's secured? And Vincent's like, actually, why don't you hold it? And apparently has, has opened it himself. And Rayanne blows the fuck up. I did not catch that. Yeah, I did not no. catch that Vincent Wait. fucking kills him. Yeah, no, Vincent's like, here, hold this for me. And then fucking cheeses it. Like, yeah. <laughs> All we see of Adrian is smoking, wheezing remains. <laughs> or uh, not of Adrian, of uh, Rayanne is smoking, Rayanne. wheezing remains. He is no longer part of the story. Um, and this is probably the most literal that the whatever fucking metaphor is going on is because he killed conscience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Murdered his fucking Jimmy Cricket. And no remorse, no funeral, no tears, no nope. nothing. Next thing. No further acknowledgement in the movie of any kind. <laughs> no, they just have a rave and Alexia does. Yes. The funeral rave. Is that the is, the, is it a funeral? I guess this is some Matrix Ion shit. And then we get the scene with with Vincent and Alexia where uh, he's like, "Look, I know you're not Adrian, probably, but whatever anybody tells me, whatever anybody tells you, you're my son. Like, I'm gonna take care of you. I'm here for you." Which is the most weirdly moving scene in this movie because these two murderers. Or just like, we're father and son now. We're so close. This is a very important scene. This is like the very French message of this movie is these two serial killers can just bond with each other and become a nice father and son. No matter how fucked up you are, you're still human. And there's going to be another fucked up human just as fucked up as you. There's something so weirdly endearing about these two and their father-son relationship. So this is where we get the firehouse rave. Where Alexia as Adrian gets boosted up to go do a dance on top of the top of the fire truck, and instead of just I don't know skanking, dancing, whatever they're supposed to be doing, just goes <laughs> full on pole dancing on top of this this thing is is really like bending over and and <laughs> working the no no working all the stuff that she's got bound up because it's it's real awkward. <laughs> some of the firefighters seem to be into it, some of them are clearly not. Dad comes in and is like, oh, okay. Dad was like, this bitch gay. I'm out. <laughs> That's literally what he was doing. He was like, like well, I, I, I said I'm okay, but it's, this is a firehouse. What did just, you this, this is the scene of the dad being like, you can just rub it in my face, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like, can have a like, you do. Just don't rub it in my face. So firefighters would like, hey, yo, that's you? That's Jesus. Jesus absolutely does strip teases on fire trucks. Uh, And gives birth to techno babies. We still have all this up by fucking the fire truck. I'm pretty sure. We also have Vincent setting himself on fire. What was that? So she, there is, (laughs) she fucks the fire truck least upsetting thing that's about to happen um, yeah because then, then she starts i didn't even react to the fire truck that was just like ripping like just big swaths of it ripping open and you can see the metal underneath she is usually the c and c section doesn't mean car she is <laughs> she nakedly wanders out of the bottom part of the fire station out into the grassy midday outside and i was like is it the middle of the day what the fuck um what the fuck it's just night yeah. where the firefighters at they're saying so like, like, 
No, that was the night before. This is the morning. It's the early morning, and this is after all the firefighters have are yeah, like hungover and she's sleeping. Been up all night fucking the fire truck. She's just worked her way through the whole station. The firefighters um, have been up all night fucking each other. Oh my god! Yeah, so her stomach is ripping open. You can see the metal underneath. She's working her way up the hill outside between where the fire trucks are and where the like firehouse is, where uh, she and the dad live. Um, the dad, meanwhile, is still up drinking liquor, spits it out over his chest, and then decides to light it on fire. But apparently not suicidal, just a kink, because then he decides to put it out. Uh, he seemed, with the blankets. He's practicing. He very surprised by it. Like, he's like, I wonder what'll happen if I do this. <laughs> oh, shit, I'm on fire. And like, I kept yelling at my phone, like, on a train, so it was very disruptive and confusing to other people. Stop, drop, and roll. You're Literally. You're a firefighter, baby. You should know oh, this. You're only you laying down. You don't even have to stop and drop. Just roll. Just roll. Just roll. There's a whole bed. He, like, tries to pat it out, and I'm like, dude, there's a whole bed right there. He grabs, like, a single t-shirt. He's like, yeah, this will do the job. <laughs> patch, 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 patch. Meanwhile, over One step. Walking through the whole fucking town, butt ass naked, with a belly metal protruding oh. ass. So you mean tell me nobody was like, "Hey, yo, bitch, come get in the core." She got the gas coming out of her. Like, God, like the metal ripping out, and I'm thinking, like, I don't think you're gonna be working off that baby weight. Like, I, I think that metal's there to stay. Yeah, how does but that? You know, how is that? You know, there's some guy on the street out there that's like, that chick's a Decepticon, man. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly more than meets the eye. <laughs> this is some beast war shit. <laughs> She's definitely a Predacon. Well, is this Knight Rider's origin story? But, oh, okay, but then she, she makes it back into the house. And it's naked. Buck naked. Pieces of metal sticking out of her. Finds Vincent. They go progressively from like her laying on him to her kissing him. To almost making out while she's still having like straight up contractions. Eventually, like they go, they skip the making out so that he can help her give birth to this baby. Back up because he didn't know she was pregnant until he ripped that thing off because she was all, you know, so guilty, I guess, about kissing him. And then she tries to cover up and then he snatches and he's just like, yeah, he was going through the door. He was going to leave her bitch ass. I ain't fine up for this shit. Well, yeah, when she started trying to make out with him, he was like, nope, 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 nope. But he's got those, he's got those like firefighter ambulance like reactions because he's like pregnant. Okay, I'm going to help her give birth now, I guess. Yeah, and so he helps deliver the baby, which we don't see. He sets it off to the side as it starts crying uh, so that he can go give Alexia CPR. She's dead. Um that does not work out. So he goes back around and picks up the child and we see him start comforting the child. And we can see that the, the baby has like a metal spine. Uh, so it's like part human, part metal. Uh, Transmetal. Maybe. No, um, I, I really wish it had been much more of a half car, half baby. But I'm also just thinking if that was a real baby they used, I don't know legally how many prosthetics you're allowed to put on a baby it's definitely not a real baby no i don't know what oh, size yeah. tires a baby even take do they make tires of that size micro machines <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i really I want bet- to be a hot wheels baby though like i really like 
Y'all remember the cartoon? Okay, so I'm old. Y'all remember the cartoon? Don't know the name of it, but it was a teenager who turned into a car. Yes, oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, um, they talk about it on my on my bendams all the time. Rick and Morty made a joke about it. Yeah, shit. It was. I think it was definitely a Hanna Barbera. Yeah, but it was like a turbo teen. Turbo teen. Like that's what I was expecting. Smaller. Yeah, turbo baby. Like. Again, okay. they spent Her an baby. hour, 40 minutes hyping up this, like, car baby. I was expecting more car than baby. Yeah. You know, at least some I, flame decals. I do have to say. Oh, man, if I mean, it had flame decals, if the flame decals were a genetic trait. <laughs> this baby just has cool. flame decals on his It's face. just got fury. Uh, oh, amazing. Cool. I do have to say, so at this point, he takes the baby next to the dead mother and cuddles it. He gets this good, like, grandpa cuddle in it. In, in the end, I like Fast and the Furious. This movie's all about family. Because <laughs> now you got a grandson or daughter. I don't, we don't know what the baby He's got a grand car. That's what he has. He has a grand <laughs> car. Yeah. Congratulations. What you tell Yeah, if that's not... The, if that's not how Dom Toretto's characters are going to go out, like, just holding his grand car. Don't know if it's peep or poop, pee or poop, because it's all motor oil. Don't know what the hell going on, where it's coming from. Oh, my God. Like, so many questions. So, I had to... Also, in this version of the franchise, Letty has left Dom to be with a woman, and Dom has gone together with Helen Mirren. Yeah, and then, but who fucks the car? Mm, Tyree. On. No, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with uh, Lucas Black from Tokyo Drift. I apologize for getting us wildly off topic. No, we are. This is as off topic as we can be and still maintain our sanity with this film. Seriously, because uh, we're. I mean, because the, the point where we usually ask questions like, "Hey, guys." Is this movie feminist? No. I don't fucking know. It's not. I, I don't I don't know. Like I know it's ableist. <laughs> That's all yes. I know. Definitely it definitely ableist. has problems with disabilities. Uh, yes. both yes. physical and and mental, psychological. It almost does a pretty good job with trauma and PTSD, but almost everything else is, is we don't get ableism? any resolution on the steroid abuse storyline. Vincent just keeps abusing steroids. Yeah. And the the behavior in terms of like trauma response of the things that she's been through on screen. I feel like Alexia's trauma responses, her confusion and her a lot of that, her identity confusion as she's trying to remake herself to be someone who somebody cares about or something like that. I'm sure you can find if you try hard you can find some narratives there that evoke something about queerness, but it's not depicted in a way that is any that is anything but like relatable to the worst experience you can have with body dysphoria, you know, which is like so something that a lot of body horror talks about. But the other thing is that the fact that this is all basically stacks on her response to having the metal plate in her head yeah and the fact that she's in love with the car after she gets like it's not all trauma is the same like sometimes people get 
weird associations when they're going through trauma and they're they've been through like surgeries and stuff like that and that's a thing but like it's not depicted in any sort of healthy way or any sort of like mature way in this film yeah i I feel like the the best like it's it's not i i just don't know with feminism on this I, i don't know where that falls the disability stuff is a problem it doesn't really have anything to say about class but the, the classism is there with that family. There's some classism, especially the, with that family that they help. In regards to the disability, I definitely noticed and I thought it was good how her surgery scar, it, it wasn't something Alexia not only didn't hide, she like display. she had it almost yeah. like on display. Yeah. It was never a topic, which I like. Yeah. That part in regards to disability that I like. There was no... Oh, I gotta explain what happened to me or anything. Yeah, so what's she's, she's clearly regarded as sexy yeah. in the, at least yeah. the beginning of the movie before she there started murdering everybody. The yeah. moment of oh, my Vincent doesn't even have the moment of oh, my son seems to have had major head trauma and is also not talking. Seems almost incapable of speech. I'm not going to assume any connection between these two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. This movie was just. It's weird. It was a weird ass film. Yeah, we watched a lot of movies. This is a weird one. Yeah, I feel like usually so many of these like we're just digging for any sort of queer content whatsoever. This one is chalk to the brim with queer content. Almost everything else is is, is like difficult to say what the hell it's, it's saying about it. But there's there are several gay characters. There's plenty of both began begun aborted unfortunately and by murder and <laughs> attempted queer relationships in this the scene in the bathroom with the airpin that's what it literally was i i, I mean yes I yes i i was just talking about the how the relationships were disrupted oh mm. i thought we were talking about just them act i thought the we were talking about the actual abortion scene yeah. and that being just something the movie explores just in its overall themes of an unwanted pregnancy and one that really seems to be triggering a whole lot of dysphoria. Yeah, yeah. You know, that extended warranty on a baby, that that hairpin, just she had some good coverage. I don't know. I Maybe told you baby. I didn't want to pay for this baby's nav system. <gasps> I don't want to. Does this baby come with serious? Bluetooth enabled. That's what I thought the baby was on the bay. I was like, okay, so this is a Bluetooth baby. <laughs> <laughs> I really did because I'm like, okay, it's all lit up like the Bluetooth on down the fern. Oh, man. I didn't know Cadillac had that type of thing. Is that now, is this, is this a four wheel drive baby? It'd be very useful to have a baby that had a car alarm, though. It just. I think they do. No, Jeremy, you say that until that baby alarm's going off at 2.30 every morning. Yeah, that's... That is already a fact. Just as long as yeah. it comes off when somebody tries to pick it up, too. I don't know. That movie... I don't know. I'm If I ever do this again, I'm picking movies. Fuck that. I do <laughs> not trust you. I don't know how y'all trust them. I do not we, trust you. We would nope. love to have you back and... Yes. You were right. Jeremy has definitely broken a sacred trust tonight. That's that white shit. That that movie is like, <laughs> this is some white ass shit. Because I ain't no black person gone now. That's, That's what I was saying. I was like, this is some white shit. Truer words. To the damn serial killer. 
There's there's like, no shit whiter than French white shit. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Like that movie wouldn't work if it was a black woman who was fucking a car and got pregnant with a car. This I is, need to go watch Lupin on Netflix just to get my head on my conception of France straight again. I don't know if straight's the word you want. Definitely not. Uh, but yeah, the French white shit. It is never the word I want. Yeah. It's okay. Great. Wild question. Would you all recommend people watch this movie? Fuck no. <laughs> Hell no. It depends. I'm not trying to traumatize nobody. No, no. I'm not trying to traumatize anybody, but I will definitely tell my fucked up friends that want to be badass and watch fucked up movies. I'm like, have you watched this? But you know what? I don't see that as I didn't see it as a horror movie. I reckon. But not horror. He got a little body horror, but overall, it wasn't. It just I, wasn't hard for me. It was just, it, you know, it felt really like David Cronenberg horror stuff to yeah. me. Just like mm-hmm. things like The Fly and, and Brood and things like that that aren't like necessarily jump out at you scary, but definitely leave you with some fucking scars afterwards. <laughs> this movie I feel like is is like telling people you've seen this movie is being like, look at this scar. <laughs> right. I never admit I saw this movie. Nope. <laughs> I would recommend this movie be seen by high school and college age film snobs who need to be taken down a peg. Yeah. You're trying to traumatize the kids going to be like, oh no, my period is red. I thought it was supposed to be black. I watched Eraserhead. All the periods in that movie were black, but that's because it was in black and white. So at least they had that. So yeah, I'm going to say probably... I'm going to say maybe no. And also, if you like this movie and want me to recommend something similar to it, I fucking can. I have no goddamn clue. Cool. I, I have know. two things. Watch the Transformers porn parody. I don't fucking know what to tell you. <laughs> okay, three things. Okay. okay uh, so, T, usually we do a recommendation. It doesn't have to be at all related to this movie. Is there something oh, that people go check out? Asian horror, period. Asian heart from, oh my God, Train to Busan, Alice in Borderland, or Odishan slash Audition, Takashi Miki. Just watch the Takashi Miki shit. That's the fire. Asian heart from Malaysian to Korean to Japanese to Indian. Like the whole Asian horror genre is just dope. Americanized horror is wet to me. It's just watered down, especially when they do the remix, the reboot, the grudge, the ring, like all of that stuff is corny. It's not scary. It's you know not... what this movie wasn't? This movie wasn't watered down, T. No, no, the <laughs> fuck it was not. And I will never watch another French horror movie again because I y'all y'all motherfuckers over here. Like I'm here for it, but I feel like this was more sci-fi. Honestly, yeah, a little bit, yeah. It felt, it felt more sci-fi than like psychological. Easily, yeah, easily the most yeah. horror, traditional horror scene is our protagonist as the horror monster as she murders her way through this naked mm-hmm. flat slash sex party. Yeah, and also like real quick, I said absolutely not. This movie is not feminist. The, the monster baby trope. Yeah, when it comes to when it comes to like when talking about dysphoria, yeah, I get it. Like, totally. But 
the monster baby trope and like monster pregnancy mm-hmm. is something that I think in this day and age needs a little bit more than just like it's there. But the fact there. that it was a titanium monster, okay, sure. But this movie was way too serious for us to get anything like <laughs> satisfactory out of a Yeah. Yeah. Like I definitely wouldn't recommend to moms, parents who've lost a kid, who've had babies who are disfigured when they're born or if they're born still, because that a lot of that stuff was really super triggering for me. That bathroom scene, like I just could not watch it. And of course, seeing this baby with all of this stuff, it's just okay. So we're playing into another trope. Like it just, I ain't like that. I just know that was not, I'm honestly one, if, if I wasn't doing this, I would have been like, I just tapped out at the bathroom scene. I'd be like, that's good. I, I'm good. Thank you for, for seeing it through though. Yeah. For thank us. You, thank you again, <laughs> just for coming on and being with us tonight. And if you ever need like a GoFundMe for for therapy or something, or just want to like, just want to DoorDash, hit me up. <laughs> if you're like, fuck this, I can't because of this movie. I will DoorDash. If we're ever hanging out and then I see Guy Fieri, I will definitely jump in the way and make sure. Please. Guy, yeah, Guy Fieri. Flames are scary now. So thanks, Jeremy. <laughs> I appreciate you. So, uh, Emily, what what do you have to recommend? You said you had some stuff. Okay, I have two things. I'm also going to do a support on Ben's recommendation of Lupin. If you want something that's French and really good and not this, that's really great. Very Yes, it's on Netflix. Go check it out. Um, But there's two things I was going to talk about. Under the Skin, which is about, it's a a Scottish movie with uh, ScarJo as an alien that eats dudes it's sad but it has i think it has a little bit more of a message and it's not as painful to watch and also it doesn't have like baby shit in it it's painful but you're not seeing anybody like you're not seeing the same amount of people getting stooled and sat on and all that kind of shit unfortunately the next recommendation that i have if you are at all interested in the the weird body horror of this movie and like the Asian horror, Tetsuo the Iron Man. That movie is fucking crazy. And some movies are, I'm going to spoil it for you because some movies are about the journey. And honestly, I think this is going to be more of a, of a selling point than anything. But it's about two dudes who become metal and then they become a giant penis. Yeah, I enjoyed that movie. Yeah, okay. So yeah, yeah, this is, this is and also it, it's in black and white. There's some really upsetting elements of it. Very upsetting, bad sex. There's a little bit of, of a sad animal. I think the, animal, it's a, the cat's fine, but it's like a cat wearing this suit of like weird screws and stuff. And uh, anyway, but then, then they become a giant, they fall in love and become a giant penis. And then they're going to uh, impregnate the world with their new metal, with their new metal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Lincoln Park. Yeah, um, like Lincoln Park. It's the origin story of the park. This is the origin origin story of Colossus. Okay, Ben, did you have anything else you wanted to recommend? You said you did not know what to recommend for this movie. I'm watching Lost. You haven't checked out Lost. <laughs> it holds up pretty good. So the one thing I would recommend is the reason that I I chose this movie 
which is this director's other movie, Raw, which is equally fucked up in like body horror kind of ways without the weird mix of pregnancy stuff and disability stuff and things like that are, are weird that that kind of make that make this movie hard to recommend. Raw, I think, is is much better that way. Raw is also a little hard to watch in some spots, but like a lot of that is about body horror and Raw is Raw has an, a message that I think is super interesting in it. And it's it's a rough one, but it is the reason that I decided to to give this a shot for better or for worse. So I, I do recommend checking that out. It's pretty easy to find. It's a few years old now. But yeah, check that out. I don't Try trust that. the if you listening, I don't trust Jeremy's recommendation. So good luck. <laughs> hey, I hey, I give you every chance to be like, hey, what do you want to watch? And you were like, no, I don't know. Like, you know. So future guests, this is what happens if you can't choose a movie. <laughs> I'm gonna choose sorry, shit I ain't you- seen. That looks wild as hell. <laughs> Do not be like these. You choose, motherfuckers. <laughs> Boy, I'm going to have to sleep with the lights on and, and just not because it was scary, just because it's just, dude. <laughs> just, if, like, I'm if, here for growth, no, but that was just. If you hear something metallic knocking at your door, don't answer it. I don't. Oh, dear. All right, uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up. T, can you let people know where they can find you and your work online? But you can find me on IG and Facebook, Miss T Franklin, M I Z T E E Franklin. My work, Google T Franklin. Support the Eat Bang Kill comic. Our last issue dropped sometime next month. And they're all available digitally right now as well, right? Yes, everything is digital. If you want some queer romance, Harley and Ivy, a lot of sex. There's a lot of sex. It's no a lot, like a lot of sex. A lot of queer sex, like queer romance. You know what I'm saying? You know, pick it up. We're nominated for a Glad Award, so obviously it's good. Yeah, and, and get bingo loved too. That's a good one too. It's a lot of queer. No sex, you know. I made it for kids or whatever, but it's queer romance. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Fantastic. Yeah, uh, as for the rest of us, you can find Emily at Megamoth on Twitter and at Mega underscore Moth on Instagram and at Megamoth.net. Ben is on Twitter at Ben the Con and uh, their website is BenConComics.com where you can pick up all of their books, including the brand new Immortals Phoenix Rising graphic novel from Great Beginnings. And you can order the upcoming Blows Against the Empire graphic novel. And finally, for me, and- you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at jrome 58 and my website at JeremyWhitley.com where you can check out everything I write. And of course, the podcast is on Patreon at Progressively Horrified or on the website at progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm and on Twitter at Prague Horror Pod, where we would love to hear from you. Speaking of loving to hear from you, we would love it if you would rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening to it and let us know what you think of it. And it'll help new listeners find the podcast. I do want to thank again, T, thank you so much for coming on. Sorry I traumatized you. Uh, it was a it was certainly a fun movie to talk about, though. I'm glad we could share this together. Yes. This is trauma traumatized together. Yeah. Yes, that is, uh, we are now bonded in our fucking trauma over this movie. Yes. Yes. Very much, because I ain't driving no more. Is taking the bus better? (laughs) Oh, I don't know. I'll just be in my wheelchair. I'll just wheel myself wherever I need to go. I'm in charge of that bitch. Thank you, Emily and Ben, for co-hosting as always. 
And thanks again to all of you for listening. And until next time, stay horrified. Progressively Horrified is created by Jeremy Whitley and produced by me, Alicia Whitley. This episode featured Jeremy Whitley, Ben Kahn, Emily Martin, and T. Franklin. All opinions expressed by the commentators are solely their own and not intended to represent the intent or opinion of the filmmakers, nor do they represent any of the employers, institutions, or publishers of the commentators. Our theme music is Epic Darkness and was provided royalty-free from Pixabay. You can support us on Patreon or contact us on Twitter at ProgHorrorPod or by email at ProgressivelyHorrified at gmail.com.